Today's episode of Locked On MLB is brought to you by Ultimate Baseball GM. Have you ever dreamed about being a baseball general manager and managing your own baseball franchise? Then this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit ultimatebaseballgm.com or look it up on the App Store. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to the franchise when using the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, in the game. Now, let's start the podcast. It's Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. There's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over the last decade, and now I am beginning my fifth full season as a podcaster here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow our show at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. You can follow me. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are looking to get 1 billion subscribers. We're several hundred million short. And be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown MLB or check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, including Lockdown Mariners, Lockdown Yankees. You name the team, we've got it. Well, I'm very, very happy to have uh, our guest on the show. He is an author of a wonderful book called, right here, it's on my Kindle. Oops, it's on my Kindle, The Voices of Baseball. Trust me, it's on my Kindle. Uh, and he's a brand new edition of the book coming out. I'm thrilled that he's going to be part of the show. Kirk McKnight, where are you? Oh, let me switch this. We're on the wrong wrong side. There we go. Kirk McKnight, how are you doing on this uh, on this evening? I'm great. Uh, I thought you were starting to say, where are you? And I could say I'm out of Wickenburg, Arizona, so spring training's only 20 miles down the road from me. <laughs> which uh, which spring training site is nearby you? The Surprise in Cactus League. All right, cool. Surprise, Arizona. That's the home of the Rangers and the Royals. Let me just ask you before we jump into the book, um, which team did you grow up listening to and which narrator of baseball did you grow up with? Well, so – Radio, it was Scully with the Dodgers because I'm from mm -hmm. Las Vegas. Right. But on TV, I had the good fortune of being able to watch uh, TBS Braves broadcast <laughs> broadcast with uh, P. Van Weeren, mm -hmm. Ernie Johnson Sr., and mm -hmm. and Skip Carey. So we have a very generational thing going here. You know, I've uh, I've, I've gotten to know skip's son chip and i've gotten mm -hmm. to know ernie johnson senior son ernie johnson jr who does a great job and and so also on wgn so i got to you know i basically got the carries uh grandfather and 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 uh son basically right. with, uh with harry on wgn and then with skip on tbs so you could say i was brought up by the carries <laughs> yes. i'm a native new englander and so i grew up with uh, ned martin in Boston, I, and I, I adored Dead Martin's voice way back, and uh, Mercy, 
and uh, but I also had Ken Coleman. I was never the biggest Ken Coleman fan. I know I was supposed to love Ken Coleman because he did it for seven quadrillion years. But um, but Joe, well, I was also there at the beginning of Joe Castiglione is wonderful. And then when we went to visit my grandparents who lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, we would get the Yankees and the Mets. And my mother grew up a very big Yankee fan and an Italian family. And so having Phil Rizzuto uh, announcing those games was this great connection I had with my mom. And right to the point when I was at NYU, I would kind of, when I knew there'd be a game on Channel 11, I would make sure I was available to listen to it because I just loved, you know, Phil Rizzuto was like your, your wacky Italian uncle who you're watching the game with. He was not going to give you great insight in terms of color commentary, but you were gonna, it was going to be fun as hell to listen to it. But that's part of, it's like what Vince Scully used to say, if you're just joining us, pull up a chair. It's like you're, the best announcers kind of become like a friend in some way, that they're your companion. It's beyond simply just, um, you know, describing the action, but it's uh, the person you're going to watch the games with. And that's why I have no problem if an announcer's a homer. I have no announcer if they're, if a, no problem if an announcer puts their thumbprint all over it. So, and, and, and we were all blessed too, that we were able to get like the super stations like WOR and TBS and, and WGN uh, across the country. And that's, a, I mean, I'm wearing a White Sox hat and a White Sox t-shirt. That doesn't necessarily mean they're my favorite team, but um, I I definitely love the White Sox input in the updated edition of the book because now I got Steve Stone. Len Casper went from the north side to the south side, so right. I got him for some Cubs stuff when the first edition came around, and now I've got him for some White Sox Stuff, uh, the Field of Dreams game. <laughs> by the way, Jason Benetti, who's one of the new announcers, is I think is fantastic. I think he's one of the best new young announcers in the game. I think he's funny. I think he's insightful, uh, and I and I think that he he is just a, and 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 kind of straddles that line of you know being a fan and and you know enjoying it, having fun. You know, understand it's you know it's a game, but also you know not trying to be a wacky character either. I think that he's he's really. I hope he's going to be their announcer for many years to come. And he and he's over there with you said. Uh, where did you say Joe Benetti's at again? Well, he's with he's the new TV announcer for the White Sox, and okay. I think that he, okay. he he does a great job for them. Uh, we we lost Ed Farmer. Uh, recently, I always thought Ed Farmer was really grumpy. Everything was always uh, the glass wasn't half full. There was no glass with Ed Farmer. I could picture him in '05 going, "Yeah, we won the World Series, but why did it take so long?" You know, it was just it was it just was a little it was a little bit of a grump. But let's get to the book. Um, why don't you describe for the? Not everyone has it on their Kindle. Uh, why don't you describe a little bit of what the book is about and how you? began this project well the book originally was intended to basically be a, a tour through all the ball, ballparks of baseball courtesy mm -hmm. of the broadcasters you know no ballpark has the same dimensions baseball is the only sport that is not uniform it's very right. universal and so that was my stepping off point and basically getting the broadcasters to talk about the uniqueness of their ballparks but you know as time goes on you start to realize you can't just basically designate just the home stuff. You know, the Cubs won the first World Series in 108 years on Cleveland's, you know, turf. Right. There's no way I can't include 
Pat Hughes being the first broadcaster to, to call a Cubs World Series championship in the, in the book just because it happened in Cleveland. It's just not right. going to happen. So, you know, and, and luckily I, I was able to talk with Tom Hamilton, the longtime announcer of the Indians, Guardians, mm-hmm. and, you know, he gave his spiel on the on the game, you know, from Progressive Field. So that was a home game for him in Game 7. But, yeah, you, you, so the newer edition, you'll start to see that we've kind of gone away from necessarily talking about home game as to – you know, calling um, just the, the more historic moments. Like, for example, one of the last interviews, in fact, maybe the last interview I did for New Material was with Jesse Agler from the San Diego Padres. You right. see, he called the first San Diego no-hitter in history, and he was calling that game from Petco Park, even though it was taking place in Globe Life Field in Texas. He was calling it in the visiting TV booth at Petco Park and doing it all um, via via monitor because this is uh, COVID was still a thing. Broadcasters were not traveling for road games, so you know it kind of felt like uh, Nat Albright, who used to sit there and and uh, produce games in his own basement and recreate games and and do all things like that. It almost seemed like that when you hear in the story of of Jesse and Tony Gwynn Jr. calling that game of Joe Musgrove's no hitter. So it's. Yeah. That you, you have your your give and take of the most memorable moments, but you you also see how these broadcasters created the atmosphere. I mean, that's perfect for this book is to have that because the people who were tuned into radio obviously didn't you know they weren't in the booth with the guys and and they they didn't have a visual. Well, the guys didn't have a live visual themselves, right? But they were able to do their job and call the game and give us the walkthrough of the first no hitters in Padres history. Okay, let's take a minute to talk about Ultimate Baseball GM. Now, look, my mom is listening to the show, and she knows that I have been creating my own fantasy baseball teams my whole life. I've had teams since I was a kid. I had teams. I kept score when I played video games, and I was always the general manager, always in control of my teams that I created. And now you could do it on your phone. I've been doing it. I am the general manager of the Honolulu Waves. That's my team that I have on this app. And I'm in control of all aspects of it. Now, guess what? I can do things. I can hire the coaches. I can draft and scout players. I can navigate my franchise through free agency and the ups and downs of the season. And I'm in charge. Go Hawaii, the Honolulu Waves. Sorry, I forgot the name of my own team. This is all a challenging and realistic game right there on your phone. I got it downloaded right over there. Phone's charging. Forgive me. Ultimate Baseball GM is completely free, playable offline, play on the go, play whatever you want and when you want to. And it is so deep and intricate and gets into every aspect of running a baseball team. And let me tell you something. If you're like me, I've been thinking about this ever since I was seven or eight years old. And I feel like a kid again playing this game. So here's what you got to do. Locked on MLB listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise. Go Honolulu Waves. When using the promo locked on in the game store. So check it out. To download the game, just visit probaseballgm.com, scan the code, or look it up at the App Store. That's probaseballgm.com, Ultimate Baseball GM. Start your dynasty today. Who knows? Maybe we'll have Locked On Honolulu Waves as a podcast. 
Yeah, I mentioned this on a previous show, and I'll, I'll share it with you. During the COVID year, when they had the 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 cutouts, and every stadium became the album cover of Sgt. Pepper, <laughs> and um, I found it really unnerving to watch those games because I watched baseball as kind of an escape, especially we all, you know, I don't care what your faith, politics, whatever it was, everyone was having a rough year in 2020. Everyone needed an escape. And I didn't like seeing the empty stadiums and the cardboard cutouts because it almost reminded me of everything that was happening. And certainly by the time we got to the postseason, it was really weird. Like they were playing the ALCS in San Diego. They were playing the NLCS in Houston and at the, the new ballpark in Arlington. And everything just felt slightly weird. So I started – I I don't – I think I watched two games that postseason, but I listened to every one of them. Right. I listened to them because when it was – uh, when it was Tampa versus Houston in the ALCS, when it was Atlanta versus Los Angeles in the NLCS, I was closing my eyes and imagining Dodger Stadium. I was closing my eyes and, believe it or not, imagining the trop. And, you know, I – and it almost is weird watching the highlights of those World Series because it's like, wait, that's not where it was. That's not where it took place. And I was having a wonderful time because they, they sweetened it with some, you know, crowd sounds and everything like that in the radio, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with a laugh track, you know, in the right place. And uh, I really, that year made me really fall back in love with the radio broadcast. I've always loved the radio broadcast, but like, like even the last year or so, I've preferred to listen. And it's weird, like me, you know, my wife's saying, like, don't you want to watch the game? I'm listening to it. I'm listening. And, I'm like, I've really enjoyed, uh, you know, the – it's a game designed for the radio. That's one of the reasons why baseball was at the peak of its power when the two chief uh, forms of media were the daily – and, you know, the, the editions of the newspapers where they could tell the story and the narrative and – the radio broadcaster telling the telling the story and becoming your companion to the game, and oh my goodness, it just my god, it was such a wonderful way to sort of just get wrapped back up in the in the radio broadcast. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it's skewed more to radio as far as the representation in the book, but mm -hmm. me having included more of the national announcers like Joe Buck and Bob Costas in this edition and the mm -hmm. the paperback edition, you do have the TV going on here a little bit, so. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily divided down the middle, but I think there's definitely a fair representation of TV, but very much a fair representation of radio. Uh, some of the, you know, most, most of the hall of famers are all radio broadcasters. Right. But I still had a handful of, you know, out of the 11, I, I'm not sure breaking it down, but I'd say that probably three, four of them are, are TV broadcasters, maybe even more. And the rest of them were radio. And, you know, and that's not to take away from a TV broadcast, no. but, but a lot of the criticisms that people gave me about the voice of baseball is they felt there wasn't enough radio. And I'm thinking it's all radio. If you look at the list of broadcasters, um, you just got to sit there and look it up because how else am I going to get those world series moments right. without the radio, you know, because the TV broadcasters, they're not broadcasting the playoffs, you know, Rex Hudler talking about the 2002 angels. He's talking about it as a fan. Right. You know? And, and the same with the 2015 Royals, he's talking about it as a fan. But you got Ryan Lefevre from the Royals as a radio broadcaster and Denny Matthews 
in the booth together. And you're talking about, you know, Ryan sitting there talking about it as a broadcaster and the experience. So without, without the radio, I'm not going to have that kind of representation for these magical moments in the postseason. Yeah, I was thinking about, you know, my two teams, like my, uh, grew up a huge Red Sox fan as a native New Englander. Of course, the, the biggest moments, like I, mean, I think about the biggest games in the history of the Red Sox, both positive and negatively in my lifetime, like the f- four of the biggest ones were road games. The Dave Henderson home run was in Anaheim. Game six of the 86 World Series was in New York. Uh, the the Bloody Sock, A-Rod slapping the ball, which I was in attendance of that game in New York. That was at Yankee Stadium. And of course, um, winning the World Series, in, well, that was in St. Louis. You know, obviously there there are other huge moments that Dave Roberts steal, like you know, or another negative, you know, would be you know the the Boone home run, you know, but like like you'd have the there. I mean, obviously you have the cop jumping up and down, and you have a couple other big moments like that. But so many of them, you know, they they've won four World Series this century, and three of them were clinched on the road. Right. You know, that's kind of uh, uh, you know the the road moments are sometimes some of the more interesting. Once, like one of the greatest, some of the great moments in baseball history. I mean, like, I mean, in recent years, I mean, you brought up the, the Royals, you know, Bumgarner coming out pitching the final five innings of that World Series that was on the road in Kansas City. You know, the, uh, the, I hate calling it the Bartman game because it, it wasn't Bartman's fault. It's ridiculous. But game six of that NLCS, let's call it the Alex Gonzalez game, which is what it should be called. You know, that massive collapse. Well, most you know what? I bet most people can't tell you who won that game. Most people remember that as the Cubs losing. I think most people forgot that was Florida. You know, Florida won that game. Yeah. But um, you know, and it's like the way that radio announcers can connect with their fans, but you know, TV announcers as well. I don't want to discount that. I mean, I had mentioned Phil Rizzuto, who became this great connection between me and my mom and my grandfather. Uh, for all those years when he was the PIX announcer. By the way, just tangentially, some of the most fun years to listen to Rizzuto was when he was paired with Tom Seaver in the late 80s, early 90s, because the Yankees were terrible. So there was always there was always reason for Rizzuto to go off on some tangent about you know cannolis or you know some <laughs> golf course in Teaneck, New Jersey. And Tom Seaver knew how to push his buttons. And it was, it was just very funny, especially as this was the Mel Hall, Jesse Barfield, Kevin Moss years for the Yankees. But um, it's funny, like my, my dad, my, my, my late father's team was the San Francisco Giants. And towards the end of his, and he never missed a game, whether it was on the radio or TV. But towards the end of his life, he wouldn't even refer to, I'm going to watch the Giants game. He said, I'm going to watch Kruk and Kite. Put on Crook and Kipe. I want to see. I want to watch Crook and Kipe. And my dad just loved Kruko, loved Kuiper, and loved Fleming, and loved John Miller. I mean, you know, but it was so like, it, put on Crook and Kipe. Put on Crook yeah. and Kipe because it was there was they were his they were like his friends. He felt like he knew them. You know, watching the games. I think that's another thing to to think about. And I keep, um, you know, John Miller said. I think it was Dave Kuiper or uh, the said it said. You know, uh, following the Giants, especially when they're starting to win, he says, Giants baseball, it's torture. 
Oh, yeah. and, those, and those kinds of turn, those those turns of phrases, you know, you think about those, and those are generally initiated on a TV broadcast mm-hmm. because you have your audience, you have your locals who are watching these games every day of the year, and so you have some of those little uh, you know, turn of phrases like that where you know the TV crowd gets it and stuff like that. Um, I said something about uh, you know with the with the Royals. Uh, you know, the TV audience following them and all their success. They did a thing, you know, the, their thing in the 2015 was two claps and a Ric Flair. <laughs> and when you're around in, when you're around in Kansas city, uh, my nephew flew from Kansas city to Vegas. This was like in 2021. So this is like five or six years after they won the world series, you know, they arrive and, and the, the plane lands and the, and the people are like, well, we've landed Vegas and about five or six people in the airplane do that. <laughs> so. <laughs> It carries on. And I think a lot of those things are generated with the TV relationship with the, the audience there locally. Of course, not to take away from the, the radio, of course, they have their own relationships as well. But I see that some of these things like Giants baseball, it's torture. It just it made me think of that when you when you mentioned Kuiper and uh, Kruko. Right. I think John Miller's one of the great announcers of all time. It's funny. He was an announcer a few years with the Red Sox in the early eighties. Um, but then he started kind of being a little, he was in Baltimore for a long time. Uh, he was actually, as a very young man, he was hired by Charlie Finley yeah. when they was announcing the A's of the mid seventies. Um, I, I think he, his pairing with Joe Morgan, I think he had so many great calls. Um, he has, there's, there's some wonderful calls he did. I, the, it's funny. Like there's some specific ones like I remember, he was the ESPN announcer when Seattle and the then California Angels played a one-game playoff to win for the uh, uh, Western Division in '95, and it was it, the final score was like nine to one. So if you glanced at it, you say, "Oh, it was a blah," but it was actually it was a one-nothing game until like the seventh or eighth inning. It was like a, it was a tight matchup between. Mark Langston and Randy Johnson, who ironically, Langston used to be a star for the Mariners and he was traded and they got Randy Johnson. So there was, there was there were great storylines going on there. And the big moment, the bases were loaded and Luis Soho, who later became a Yankee hero, hit a, hit a, a liner down the right field line that cleared the bases and the throw home was wild and Soho scored. So it was essentially an inside the park grand slam. It was a, it was a, it was a double he scored on the error, but it was, it would have been, it's the same as inside the park grand slam. It just opened the game open. The reason I'm bringing that up is if you ever find that game with Joe, with um, John Miller's call, it's one of my favorite calls because it just kept building. You know, it said, it's fair. Blowers has scored. Tito Martinez has scored. They all have scored. And here comes Soho. Safe. And if you're listening, because he's the TV announcer, so he doesn't have to describe every nuance. He just has to, you know, he like hits the bullet points. And the result was hitting the bullet points, but raising the drama with each bullet point. And if anyone ever finds that, if you, I, I must be on YouTube. I think this conversation we're having right now is on YouTube. Um, but if you ever find that, to me, if I ever taught a class on broadcasting, I said, here's great television broadcasting. 
you know, he knows he doesn't have to say, you know, describe everything. And that's, he knows, he knows his radio, but that's, that's a perfect example, in my opinion, of, of adapting to, you know, if you're going to do a TV, this is how you do it. If he did on the radio, it would of course be, he would have to describe every little thing that was happening. Yeah. I mean, John Miller is all over the voices of baseball because he, he basically represented for the majority of the Baltimore chapter Mm -hmm. because I mean, did, like we were talking about the theme of it was, you know, ballpark uniqueness and Camden Yards is the one that broke the mold. It broke the cookie cutter mold that we saw in all those multi-use facilities through the seventies and eighties and, and everything looking the same. Camden Yards is the one that broke it. And what better way, you know, within two or three years, you got Cal Ripken Jr. Chasing and passing Lou Gehrig. So John Miller was there for all those moments and he was there for so many moments. Just think of how, how fortuitous his career was being yeah. there during that dynasty in Oakland, uh, being there for a championship in Baltimore, uh, and then having three championships in San Francisco. Yeah, and of course the White Sox missed it by this much, that they opened up uh, what is now called, was it Guaranteed Rate Field? I still call it Comiskey. Yeah, well, I was there the first year (laughs) when it was the new Comiskey, and then, um, I mean, look, it's not a terrible stadium. It's just they had a chance to have Camden Yards. And they just they just missed it. They just missed I, out. I mean, the, the the real the truth of it all is is it's been named so many times, and they just can't wait to cut that check for the naming rights so they can go back and do something to the ballpark that they should have done the first time around. Yep. They've spent over two hundred million. I or I don't know. I'm not sure if it's two hundred million. They've spent in the nine digits redoing and renovating and trying to make up for the hasty way in which they built it in the first place because they were in a race trying to beat Camden Yards. Uh, they pretty much, I think Camden Yards was even announced before the yeah. White Sox announced, you know, uh, new Comiskey. And so they were getting out there and getting it out. And there was immediate regret. Once Camden Yards opened, there was immediate regret in Chicago. They were like, why didn't we do it this way? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's take a minute to talk about FanDuel. Guess what? It's right around the corner. We've got March Madness is beginning. The NCAA tournament is going to be on full swing. And before you know it, it'll be time for the NBA playoffs. It'll be time for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So many great sports are going on here. And it's a perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if the first bet doesn't win. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on anything from the money line to point scores to three strain. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss out on your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the National Basketball Association. We're here with Kirk McKnight, author of The Voice of Baseball. New edition is coming out in April. Am I correct? Am I correct yes. on that? Yes, April 12th, uh, April 13th. Uh, I've been working on working on my baseball book. Uh, here's one of the many notebooks that I filled up with notes and everything about the 1972 postseason. And along the way, I've been going on these deep dives of old ball games and listening to, and that particular series, hearing Monty Moore, hearing 
Kirk Gowdy, hearing Al Michaels, because what what I, I always liked what NBC did for a period of time. They would have Kirk Gowdy or Joe Garagiola or Tony Kubek matched with the announcer of the home team. And then the radio would have the announcer of the visiting team. And then, you know, they would switch. And so you would have Monty Moore, who is the voice of the A's forever, uh, doing the, you know, as one of the voices for the games when they're in Oakland. But Al Michaels, who at the time was one of the voices of the Cincinnati Reds, uh, would be announcing when they're in Cincinnati. And I, you know, that's why you had like, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, Dick Stockton was one of the announcers in the 1975 World Series, or Phil Rizzuto was one of the announcers in the 1976 World Series. I like that. I like having, you know, one of the home announcers involved in the TV broadcast. It just seems unfair that you've you shut them out during one of the, you know, the the the, the brightest moment. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. That's a yeah. good dynamic to create there. By the way, I have to say, going through some of these games. Uh, listen to some of the announcers. I, you know, I'm going to say something that's sacrilegious. Okay, especially you know because I'm cutting together the new in memoriam video that I do every year, and Vin Scully is prominently placed in. Vin Scully is one of the great uh, voices and one of the great talents and everything like that. And when he when he died uh, several months ago, I had more than one person ask me, uh, "Was he the greatest announcer of all time?" And I said when he was in the booth with Joe, when he did the games with Joe Garagiola, he wasn't the greatest announcer in the booth. And that sounds like I'm crapping on Vin Scully. I'm not. I think Joe Garagiola, he is my favorite baseball announcer of all time. He has the greatest voice. He has the chops of being a you know a player. He has the humor. He has the the drama, and he also allows the whoever he's announcing with. To have their strengths play, that he doesn't, you know, overbear them the way Howard Cosell. If you've ever listened to his call of, you know, poor Keith Jackson's trying to call Chris Chambliss's pennant-winning homer, and Howard Cosell just talks right over him, like just, you know, throws an elbow. Um, and you know, when uh, Garagiola announced the Phillies finally winning their first ever World Series, and he says the crowd will tell you what happens. And he doesn't say a word when the crowd goes crazy and Tug McGraw jumps up with his arms in the air. And I'm thinking the discipline to let the drama play out and not sort of put a stamp on that uh, is wonderful. I will just tell you, Kirk McKnight, there is a game that he announced with Don Sutton and I believe it was Tony Kubek. And it was game one of the playoffs, the NLCS in 79 between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. And it might be my favorite announced game of all time. The three of them are on top of their game. The game is good. The humor is there. The analysis is wonderful. And to me, that would be like, if I'm teaching a class of broadcast, it's like, watch how they do this. Listen to how they do this. Listen to how they, they'll do, they'll go to a, a tape package, but then they'll play to the point of the game. And, Garagiola has one of my favorite calls, which is Willie Stargell hit a go-ahead home run in the uh, 11th or 12th inning. And he said, this is gone, and these fans are leaving this ballpark like it's on fire. <laughs> which is just, you know, this great description. So I'm a huge Garagiola fan. And uh, 
Uh, and I just think he was, he was just one of the, he was the greatest in my opinion. Well, where I am here in Arizona, they love him because his son was a general manager of the Diamondbacks. That's right. so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they have a longing for him. You know, when I was first signing the books back in 2016 around here, they were like, is there anything on Gary Jill? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes, there is. Don't worry. As well, there should be. And he had just barely passed away at that time, too. So, of course, there was a, you know, there was a yearning for him in that moment, too, just the fact that he just recently passed. Sort of like there is right now with, with the passing of Scully. And that's one of the main things that's new in the book of the Voices of Baseball in the new edition is the tribute that the broadcasters, uh, basically, I put together the broadcasters' tribute to Scully. Right. Yeah. Well, look, and by the way, that wasn't me <laughs> trashing Vince Scully at all. Yeah. I mean, Vince Scully was obviously uh, you know, a remarkable broadcaster. I just, uh, I, I don't want us to, uh, uh, to, to shortchange the brilliance of, of Gary Giola, who is, who is my right. favorite. Well, yeah. look, Kirk, Kirk McKnight, uh, I've taken up a bunch of your time. I really want to thank you. Is there anything else you want us to know about you or your writings or your books or where we could find you and we could, so people can uh, become a fan of what you what you're doing. Well, we can, you can find me on you see my Twitter tag on there, my handle, and uh, you can get the book on Roman.com. That's Roman with a W. Uh, mm-hmm. I I posted in the chat the discount code to get thirty percent off the book. It's uh, Roger, Larry, Frank, Andy, um, Nancy, Drew, Frank. 30. There we go. R-L-F-A-N-D-F 30. And you get 30% off the book um, by ordering it with that discount code. And that's that makes about that makes it about 11 bucks cheaper than Amazon. And then, hey, if you feel more comfortable getting that on Amazon, there you can get it there too. I'm just trying to save you a buck. There you go. <laughs> 11 bucks. Yeah, save 11 bucks there. We'll look at it. It's well worth it, especially if you're a fan of baseball and baseball history, like I know in a lot of the fans here at Locked On MLBR. Hey, Kirk McKnight, thanks so much for being part of the show and chat with me here. Uh, again, make sure to follow Kirk at The Voices of MLB on Twitter. Uh, as for us, you can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. I am your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking about the voices of baseball with the author of the book, Kirk McKnight. This has been Locked On MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.